Good morning, podcast listeners. It's your friendly neighborhood audio engineer, Grant. Uh, just letting you know that there was a tiny problem with the beginning of this recording. Uh, some weird digital noise thing happened and made Lewis sound like a robot. This week's guest is Joe Firestone. She hosts Dr. Game Show on WFMU. Various shows at Littlefield in Brooklyn, including Try to Love Yourself, Plunderdome 3000, Beat It, You versus a Pinata, Firestone Success Academy, and many more things. She's also a frequent guest on You're the Expert. You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. There's only some of the, that's like I barely scratched the surface of the stuff that you produce and and oh that was great tell. I love you the way you said it really made me feel like I, I did all those things oh did, did you not feel like you really did all those no, things I mean it's just like you know you don't really think about you're like oh well this is gonna go for my resume you know yeah. what I mean yeah you're just like well this seems like a good idea let me do this uh-huh. and, and then you hear Lewis read them, and then you're like, well, I did all those things. You you, know? You've accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, uh, that's actually, like, I guess an interesting place to start from. I apologize if this is too personal a question to no. kick off. Do you do stuff to pad your resume, or do you do stuff just because it seems interesting to you? No, I never really think about my resume. I don't even have a resume. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, have, I haven't applied for a job where it would, I don't know what, I mean, that's the thing. It's like all this comedy stuff. No one... Can I say cuss words? Yeah, of course. No one gives a shit about. So it's like... it's. I guess it's like for other comedians to look at, to be like, oh, you've done this. But like a lot of this stuff, I feel like up until a certain... Nobody gives a shit. So it's like these... these. Um, I don't know. I feel like you should just do that. It's interesting. Because otherwise it's like... Like, this resume, like, okay, so say you were to do these things for your resume, like, nobody's going to look at that resume. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I guess that you'd have to do it for yourself. If yeah. you were to be like, I would like to set out to do 3,000 improv shows in a year. If you were to do that, like, and you were to show other people, it's not as impressive. Yeah. To other. You can't, you know, but if you did it for yourself, that would probably be much more of a feeling of accomplishment. Do you set out with like goals? Like, are you like a, a strategist? Do no, you have like- I no. I wish I was. Yeah. I have no strategy. Yeah, it's just throwing my own shit against a wall. You know, like really, it's not. There's no strategy. I wish there was because that would really help a lot. I mean, I see the people that do that are strategic, and it's like, oh yeah, oh, that that makes sense. Oh, yeah. then they do that. That's like. Um, Chris Gathered, I work with him, and he is so good at strategy. Like, he's so good at, like, okay, I want to be here in 10 years, so I'm doing this, and then I did this to do that, and mm-hmm. then it's, like, all this, like, looping and layering, and it's so smart. And he's always grilling me about the fact that, like, I just, I'm like, well, I had this idea that there would be, like, a rainbow um, formed out of humans, and then, like, they would all go on a trampoline and then spread out, and then the colors would get plaid, and it's like, <laughs> it's not... And they're like, he's like, why would you do that? Why? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to do it. But then it's... And then after the show, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> so it's okay. Do you question that too much? Like, do you question your own reasons for why you do stuff, or, or do you... Are you pretty just confident that, like, your taste leads you forward? Um, it's like a, okay, so like, I feel like it's in a, like, if you were to look at a timeline, right? And it's like, you come up with an idea and then you execute the idea and then we're like, okay, so say you're working on, okay, this is great. Okay. So you're working on a pinata. Mm. Okay. So say, you, know, you do you know how to make a pinata? No, I've never made one. Okay. So it's basically like you blow, like basic pinata, you blow up a balloon and then you make paper mache and you paper mache over the balloon and you paper mache over the balloon again and then you paint it. And then you pop the balloon, smash. Um, no, you don't smash it. You put it, fill it with candy, and then you smash it. Okay. okay. How, do you, how do you get the candy inside? Because, um, oh, you leave a hole. Okay. Like where, like where the balloon is tied, you just leave a hole. Yeah. I think I'm missing a step. But that's a basic, it's a metaphor. I don't know why I'm getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> so then, okay, so like I feel like the artistic process is kind of like, okay, so you have an idea to make a piñata. And then you've got to make this piñata, and that takes a really long time. And then you've got to crush the piñata. And I feel like 
my most exciting part is the idea for the piñata. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's going to work. It's the best idea. It's got to happen. And then making the piñata, it's like I get through maybe like like the first layer of paper mache and I'm like, this is the worst idea I've ever had. Like this, I'm not capable of anything. I can't even make a piñata. I'm like, I'm covered in glue and I like have ruined my house and like nothing, I have no money left. I'm like, why did I do this? Nobody even likes this shit. And then I get to the point where I'm like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this piñata because I have nothing left. I've lost all my friends. And then like, and then I'll get to the point where I'm like, okay, I guess people got to smash it. And then I get so upset because I'm like, why did I do this? Like, and people, like, people are there smashing. I can't even look at it. Like, I can't even watch. And so, like, usually I don't even watch these shows that I'm, like, I usually create these shows where, like, I'm not really an integral part. And so, like, I don't even watch them. I can't even watch them. I just have to hear, like, like people are responding. And then I'm like, I can't. It's, I don't even like the end product so much. I really just like the idea generation part. (laughs) But, yeah. Is it just... Uh, Is that, a, that was... What was your question? I don't remember, <laughs> okay. but that was the answer to it. Okay. But I wish... I feel like the real good artists are the ones that are, like, really good at the process part. Yeah. Like, the making of the piñata. And then they celebrate after the crushing. Like, they love to watch the crushing. Yeah. That's a good... That's a good one. Yeah. There's... Uh, uh, I'm a really big Robert Altman fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he describes movie making as as just like building sandcastles with your friends. And you spend all afternoon building these sandcastles and you kind of take turns building different parts of it. And then at the end you crack a beer and you just watch the ocean take it away. And then the next day you come back and you start building another sandcastle with your friends. Well, that's really nice. And he never watched any of his movies when he was done. He, he, he was, like, famous for rushing the end of his movies because he would get bored and want to move on to the next one. For him, it was just the lifestyle of, of getting people that he liked together to just do the next thing. Yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like doing that. That part is really fun. It's getting a lot of people together. But yeah. then, yeah, the truly, I have never watched, like... Um, people like record their set a lot, and like pe- like people like to listen to stuff or watch stuff that they've done. I can I can't watch anything. Even your stand up? No, I can't listen to that. I can't listen to like I have all these radio archives, and I really don't know how the show is. I don't know what the show sounds like because I've never listened to it. Yeah. But I can't. I can't. It's it seems intolerable. Um, I, I get that a little bit, like with this podcast. Do you listen to it? No, never. And <laughs> and people will talk to me about it sometimes and I have no idea what they're <laughs> talking about because I don't remember anything that I ever said on the podcast. <laughs> I could be repeating with the exact same questions with every interview. I have no idea. I don't listen to it. I tried once for five minutes yeah. and it was such an unnerving, depressing experience. Sure. Because you only... I don't know, you respond to your own insincerity, everything. Everything sounds fake. right, yeah, right. You're like, well, I didn't mean, I'm saying that because I'm sounding like a, uh, yeah. I once got, I once, I go through phases where I party a little too hard. Yeah. And um, I was doing, I was going, I don't know, something was, I was not in a happy place, and so I was drinking a lot. But I was drinking a lot before shows. Mm -hmm. Like, I I was getting really nervous, and I would drink, like, three drinks and not have dinner and then do a show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is okay. Like, I get, I get, feel sick all the time. I'm throwing up. It's not a good time. But then one time I was like, you know what? Am I sounding like an idiot on these things? Mm -hmm. And I recorded myself, and I heard myself, and I was like, I've never, I can't drink. Like, that was the worst. That was, like, the worst of it. Like, not only are you listening to yourself, but you're listening to yourself sound like a complete idiot yeah it was so bad yeah i tried to talk about like something political it was really it was very embarrassing yeah when you catch yourself like lying to yourself oh, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> the pits holy shit i have a question so before you did the pinata show were you in the habit of making pinatas, or was that something that you had to learn no to- i never i never even knew i ne- i learned for the show which is not Never do that. If you're <laughs> you're gonna do a show about like riding horses, don't learn to ride a horse right before the show. Yeah. Like that's just the thing. You're never gonna be good at anything if you're not comfortable with it. I, my whole basement was filled with pinatas. Then I learned that that's how you get bugs. Oh really? Because it's flour. It's yeah. just you just have a bunch of flour sitting around for days outside. What a nightmare. Yeah, that sucks. Yep. I made like I think I made. 
22 pinatas. Wow. Because you needed that number for the show itself, or they were like failed experiments of pinatas? A few of them failed, and a few, and most of them, most of them actually did okay. You know, you know who helped me? Mm. Is uh, Rosie Whalen. She helped me a bunch. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. And I imagine spending a night with Rosie Whalen making pinatas is probably <laughs> probably a night pretty well spent. But she has very specific jobs that she will do because she doesn't like to get gross. You know, like she really doesn't <laughs> like to get dirty. <laughs> so she didn't really want to touch the glue, but she was happy to rip the newspaper. Sure. That hey. was more of her style. And I, you know what? I needed that. Cool. That works. Yeah. <laughs> See, but that's like something that's also like, I think, pretty awesome that like, you come up with an idea for a show and you don't really have like a, a, a reason for like what you're going to get out of it or like even even why you're doing it. It's just kind of something that you want to see through. But then in the process of having to do it, you like you as like a byproduct, you learn new skills and, and, and yeah. you're able you, you leave it being able to do more things. You leave it as like a more experienced, more competent person in general which yeah. is pretty awesome i guess so now i know how to make a cardboard chair and i can make um a pinata and uh i can fix um i can fix certain things yeah that i didn't know how to fix before yeah <laughs> that's incredible though like it because i guess like i was thinking about about so you strike me as a as a a, a person who's very free in how you think about stuff. Like I'm interested in the places where my mind is not at all like your mind. And I think that there are a lot of things that I'm afraid of that I don't even realize I'm afraid of until I realize that I'm not letting myself think like that at all. Like the number of ideas that are completely suppressed before they come to the surface, because I I don't have a good reason why, for example. Interesting. So you feel like, okay, so if you have an idea Okay, so say I was to say, okay, here, can I just, I'm trying to figure this out. But yeah. Like, if I were to be like, okay, Lewis, make something about the farm, what would you make? I don't know. I would sweat it and stress it and procrastinate for two weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, I would probably end up writing some kind of shitty, boring monologue from a <laughs> farmer that ended up playing it really close to my own voice and then be, like, miserably disappointed <laughs> at the end of it. I wouldn't start building something. I, and I think because it, it, there's a, a thing of, like, I don't know how to build anything. So I, I, why even start? But I feel like every time I've seen you perform, it seems so well thought out and great. Thanks. But I guess you, you feel like it's, is it, there's a lot of logic in your Yeah, maybe. Art? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, uh, or just like a thing of, like, I stop myself a lot from trying stuff, mm. you know, I don't even know why exactly. I just it's very interesting to me and very curious. And and that's what I find kind of amazing about the way that you work is that like in the process of doing what you want to do and what you're inspired to do, you you just create so much. Well, I've seen a lot of bad stuff. I think that helps. Like I don't go to a lot of um I don't go to a, like I used to go to a lot of comedy shows. Yeah. And I stopped doing that just because of time not because of anything else but then the way my schedule worked out is that I had a lot of free time during the day and not a lot of free time at night which is there's not a lot of comedy during and I started going to a lot more um art stuff and like mm-hmm. culture stuff and and I feel like if you go out there enough you see that it like a lot of it can be really bad and like a lot of risky stuff is really bad like I don't know I feel like that kind of helps if you're like thinking like what can I do that's not in my own like I can't I don't feel capable of or I don't know if that's what you're saying but like I don't know like I saw this one piece of art I man it really was so interesting because like there was I, I don't know if you ever saw it but it was this um, exhibit called WS WS yeah at the Armory I on know. Park Avenue yeah yeah and it was this giant have you ever been in that space? No. It's huge. It's like it's like a huge, I guess an armory indicates that it's huge, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's big open space. And this guy filled the space with this like Disney-type forest. And I was like, yeah, that's so cool. Like you could walk through the forest and like there was all these giant trees and leaves and like it was like a really interactive kind of Disney World kind of thing. 
And then you looked, and there was a house in the middle of the woods, and you looked in the house, and there was, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs um, just, like, totally covered with cum and blood. <laughs> like, just, and there was, like, booze everywhere and drugs, and, like, there was just, like, shit, like, human shit piles, like, and vomit. And it was, like, there was, tw- like, I think there was, like, 12 hours of video footage of them just, like, like raping each other and like Jesus. slapping each other with their dicks and like it was like <laughs> it was so disturbing and awful and, and like just like just everything you can imagine going horrible in a house and at first like this woods part I was like this is amazing I can never do anything like this like this is really like so cool how you can just make something so big and so grand and magical and then I was like, this video footage is the worst fucking shit I've seen in my whole life. And then it was like, yeah, you can, like, even if you make something great, like, you can still mess it up a lot. And I know that wasn't, he liked it, the artist sure. liked it, but, yeah. like, something about that was very inspiring because it was like, oh, you can make something that people won't like at all and, like, just put it out there. You, It can be really bad. And, like, if you frame it in a way that's, like, interesting in any way or like engaging like with this giant forest like people will be watching it or people will consume it in a way that like you don't I don't know like you make something that's like maybe halfway good halfway bad like you don't really know how people are going to interpret it you know and like then you leave it up to them so you can make something that's halfway bad well um, I, I hate this way of putting it because I I think it's a misleading way of putting it or, or, or like a pejorative way of putting it but I, I read Trey Parker talking one time about the issue of quantity versus quality, and his whole thing was quantity. He, he was like, yeah. "You just got to keep on, yes, keep on doing stuff." But you, yeah, 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 because then you don't care as much about each one of them. Yeah, like I do this one show, and every time it's really, really not fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's <laughs> not fun for the audience. Like the audience truly hates it every uh-huh. time, and. I feel like I, if I were just starting out and I was just doing this show, I'd be so bummed because I was like, this is sucks. But then, but honestly, I do think this show is very funny, but just in a, in a, um, in a way where you're like, that's funny that that happened. Not like that's funny because there's jokes that I enjoy and I enjoy being in this room. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, so I think that it is a matter of like, I don't think I would have thought like that. So, like, so positively about this experience if I hadn't done a lot. What's the show? It's called The Unexpected Show. Uh-huh. And it's, like, they've been, the UCB has been very generous with me, and so they let me have this time slot where I can do whatever I want one hour a month. And so, like, the first uh, first show, I, I was like, let me do it. I'm going to do an hour of people doing Liza Minnelli impressions. Which <laughs> 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 Such a bad idea. And nobody, nobody in the audience enjoyed it. <laughs> it was so, so bad. And then this last one, I got, um, do you know Larry Murphy? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's a, he's like a, a voice actor. He's okay. on Bob's Burgers. Okay. He does uh, Teddy. Oh, okay. Gretchen. Cool, yeah. Um, and he does this character called Roy Golden, who's like this Las Vegas showman. And I was like, I got an idea. You're going to do like 25 minutes at the tap, and then you're going to find out you're hosting the vagina monologue. (laughs) And then I got like four women to do vagina monologues. And the audience was like, what is going on? Like they were just like not, not, I don't think they were pleased, Uh you know? They're not like actively groaning, but they're just kind of, they're not responding well or positive yeah or they're just like this is like looking around to each other like not leaving but definitely like being like this is bizarre like why is this man talking for 25 minutes what's happening who what did we sign up for and i think i would have felt like oh shoot i'm not not good at this i'm not funny i'm not i can't come up with these ideas and sure i maybe should think that but because there's so much quantity there's so many shows i've done that it's like well this is great this can be this yeah um uh, that, oh, that's kind of well. Okay, I will say that I don't think that happens. Um, I think that something that can help with that, like if someone was looking to um, do, like learn from quantity over quality, mm-hmm. like I think that a weekly show 
really helps with that. Yeah. Because you will never have a really amazing weekly show. It's just like, it's like a, a time-tested, like, proven thing that, like, if you do a weekly show, it will be, at best, really good, mediocre stuff. Like, and it's like, to do, and then you have to come back the next week and do it again and do it again. And it's like, that's kind of like a, te- it's like a good exercise for your brain to be like, oh, I just got to keep going. Yeah, I imagine it keeps anything from being too precious because, yes. you know, you have a deadline that has to be filled at the end of the day, at yeah. the end of the week. Do you, does it ever, having weekly shows to do, does it ever feel like a job to you? Yeah, but I think that is the thing is it is supposed to be a job, right? Or like, or like eventually, in my, well, not everybody, some people do comedy for, for fun and that's great. But I think in my mind, I would like to have more consistent jobs from it. and. Yeah. The way, whether you like it or not, you're okay. Whether you like it or not, like when you make something and and you make like say three things, people around you who have consumed these things have already kind of assumed a certain expectation, mm-hmm. right? And like that's not you don't know you're creating a brand, you know you don't know you're creating an expectation, but you are. And then the more stuff you make, the more of a spectrum you can have for like oh you can make this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff and this kind of stuff. And then when people are like, oh, I need somebody to do a brick-themed sketch comedy show, then they're like, oh, I definitely saw, like, I saw Lisa make a wood-themed comedy show, probably. (laughs) 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 This is so, I'm so, it's so early, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, <laughs> we went, went somewhere. I'm not sure where. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I imagine a wood themed comedy show is a little bit like the Armory show. It, it yeah. it's, you walk through this magical, enchanting, incredible mm-hmm. thing with like a nightmare at the center of it, <laughs> yes. and that's your wood themed comedy yeah. show. Oh, and if someone could do a wood themed comedy show and not mention boners once, I feel like that would be like they'd get a prize. Yeah, they'd have to. I'd, I'd pay somebody $100 to do a wood-themed comedy show and not talk about a boner once. <laughs> Just, like, different kinds of wood or, like, <laughs> how to create, like, the proper joins for, like, the like the the, the corners of, like, yes. shelves. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Like a woodworking show. I'd be happy with that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, two things. Um, going back to the audience for a second. Okay. Um, do you, like... How how much do you factor the audience in when you're creating something? I guess what I mean by that is, like, are you consciously thinking about um, how people are going to be taking it and 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 how you want them to be affected by it, or or are they kind of not big in the equation? Is it more about like seeing this idea through, and then people are free to kind of experience as they will? Well, I guess it depends on the show okay. or the the thing. Um, but I don't really put a lot of thought into how they're going to receive it. Because I just, I don't know, it's such a wild card. Because also, like, I don't know, if I go and sit in an audience, there's so much going on in my brain. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm, like, going to a show, a friend's show, like, who knows what I could have just experienced, like, a minute before the show came in. Like, maybe I'm having a bad day. And I think, well, you know, you know what, the only goal I really have in making these shows is, like, make it strong enough to provide an escape right like make it strong enough to distract people for an hour okay that's kind of the goal that's interesting i you know i've worked going back to rosie whalen for a second yeah i've worked with her a bunch love her let's go back she's she's a genius and um i've been lucky enough to to work on like three or four of her plays with her i've seen almost all of these plays I thank you for coming to them. <laughs> and it's really interesting working with Rosie because, like, she's really good at... She just creates, like, an alternative world. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, like, fall into her rhythm pretty quickly in a show. And, and you can always tell a Rosie Whalen show. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's something, it's very personal to her. Mm-hmm. She has this amazing ability to kind of, like, get her mind out on stage for you. So you kind of, like, see things the way that she sees things. Yeah. But it's also very much like you just enter into a parallel reality for 40 minutes. Yes. And, and it's a really cool experience. So is there something like that for you where you're kind of creating, like, a little, like, pocket of some like other space in the middle of like people's nightly lives is that too ridiculous a question no that's a great question i don't know if i'm 
I don't know if I'm doing it well. That's mm-hmm. my aim to make it so that like people aren't thinking about other stuff. Yeah. To make it so not loud, but like um, so noise canceling. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting way to think about it. What no- it- noise canceling? Oh, mm. yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Please. No, 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 not at all. That's that's pretty much it. But it's just like, um, yeah, making it. Just uh, either really fun or really crazy or really chaotic mm-hmm. enough so that, like, sh- like you can feel enough of a, an escape to laugh. Like, because honestly, I don't feel like most of my ideas are like, well, that's funny. That's going to be a funny joke-powered experience. Like, most of this stuff is, like, really dumb or crazy or really goofy so that it, like, I think it's kind of like... I'm trying to make people feel comfortable enough to laugh. Mm-hmm. You, even though you're not thinking too much about the effect to be had on people, you're also amazingly good at involving an audience and holding an audience. Like you, be, you, oh, you, you relate super well with people, and you have you've created a lot of different game shows mm-hmm. too. What is it about the game show format that that you find so appealing? Mm, well, I don't even like game shows that much, truly. But huh. the, the fact is, like, game shows, um, just like the word game show, like, conjures up this idea that, like, oh, there's going to be rules, there's going to be something to win, and I've, there's a framework where I understand how to participate. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of pretty much it. Like, okay. it's just like, if, yeah, it's it's just like a framework so that people feel comfortable to jump on in. Well, I, I saw you last night in Adam Wade's 30 and 30 show at the mm-hmm. Magnet, and... Um, uh, you 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 told a really beautiful story, but throughout a large chunk of the story, you were playing a game show or, or uh, playing a game with the audience, mm-hmm. uh, where you're getting people to call out. Uh, what was the phrase that they? they I call have out? been there. I have been there. If so if dumb. they if they if they relate to any of the experiences that you're that you're labeling, and it was a, a, a it struck me as like a super inventive way to not only involve people and have people feel like participants and, and feel kind of a sense of ownership over what you're doing. But also by the end of that bit, um, at least was at least my experience feel very close to you personally. So it's like a really interesting thing of like, you're making the audience, not just passive, but they're, they're very like active and with you in the show, but they also feel closer to you, you know, by the time you've completed that idea. I guess so. I didn't realize that people. I didn't realize that people would feel closer to me. But that was then, my experience. Okay, at least. cool. That's it, great. Um, yeah, I kind of like. I, yeah, I like getting people talking, and um, I think that's really. I don't know. I feel like there's so many. Um, I guess. I, I just. I really like hearing from people, like in the audience. Like, I feel like. Laughter is great, but also there's a lot of other ways to hear feedback from an audience. Yeah. And um, sometimes I find those things a little bit more interesting. Or, yeah. Do you think that that the way that, that we as comedians learn to kind of use laughter as the kind of, like, guide? Like, uh, certainly when you're improvising, a lot mm-hmm. of times where the laughs are coming kind of point you in where to go. Do you think that that limits our abilities to kind of stay tapped into to maybe like deeper parts of our mind when we're performing? Ooh, that's a good question. I feel like with improvising, for me, I'm a very bad improviser Mm -hmm. because I just pay attention to the laughs Mm -hmm. and I don't really pay attention to the scene at all. So I'm just like, what? Oh, they laughed at that. Okay, let's do that. And then it's like, what What are you doing? Why are you talking about this? Like the rest of the group is like not on the same page. I'm so bad at improv because of that. But I feel like the best improvisers can just hear the laugh, but hear it as like a soundtrack mm-hmm. almost and not as like, it's supplementary. You know, like, we're, but like, I can't, I'm so bad at improv. So bad. I wish I was, I'm so bad. It's really such a good skill. It's such an amazing skill. I'm so in awe of it. I didn't realize I was bad at improv until this year where I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, I thought that I loved it, but I think I just love watching it. Well, you might be really good at improv in a different format because like you're you ride the wave of what's going on in the room as as well as anybody does. And that's totally improv. It, it, It just sort of. 
it might be that you have to be facing the audience directly yeah, to I do think, it. <laughs> I think maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it's a little easier like yeah, to definitely be partners, scene partners with the audience for me. Yeah. Whereas man, it's so it's so impressive. Improv is so impressive. Every time I go, I just I'm like, yeah, like, I feel like it's like little old woman that I'm like, wow, how did they do that? Like I just <laughs> it's so amazing to me. And sometimes like Sometimes I, like, I used to think, like, oh, well, maybe I'm just not improvising with the right person, or, like, and I sometimes improvise with Connor Ratliff, do you mm-hmm. know him? Yeah. He is, like, the best, he's the best, he's so fun to watch on stage, he's so good at improvising, and I even bring him down, like, I'm so bad at it, like, that he, like, the scenes are horrible, just because I'm so bad at it, <laughs> I feel so bad, <laughs> but he's really, and he's, he's, like, one of the most talented ones I've seen, it's just, yep. But even with that, like, I, I don't know, it, it, it just makes me think, I don't know why I'm, I apologize if, if, if I'm harping on this. I keep on coming back to this like feeling of, of there's like a tremendous freedom in the way that you create. It, there's, there's an openness to, to just do things and try things and, 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 and kind of induce experiences and, you know, kind of create magic. And, um, you know, like I, I've seen you perform i think that you're a great improviser but i think that it's in a slightly different way it's in a way that like you get the entire room lit up and animated and following you and and there is exactly that the audience is like your scene partner in that but you have like a perfect relationship with them and you read them really well and you and you lead them and you you know um, and that to me is something that like, well, I'm terrified of that when I even bother to think about it. And I wonder, is it because, is it because my thinking has become so sort of boxed in, you know what I mean? Like, have I just gotten in the habit of kind of trying to do this one thing really well? And then it's closing me off to outside the box possibilities and the way that you can stage a show. I don't know. That's a rhetorical question. Hmm. I, I don't know. Well, Okay, so I think that as okay, I really that's what you've said is so nice. That's so nice, and I appreciate that. But I, I feel like there, um, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out how to like make stuff. And I think that that in order to figure out what you're really good at, and I think ultimately you should hone in on something. Like you, ultimately you should work on something so much that you sh- that you can. Like, I feel like it's it's a wave. Like, you do... Like, for me, it's like I'm doing a bunch of stuff to figure out really what clicks. Mm-hmm. And then I want to find out what clicks and get really good at it. And I think you have to get really into it. And then and then you can get outside the box again. Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, I was just talking to this guy who works in advertising last night. And he said that in order to really crack something creatively, this is what everyone in the... He said everyone does this in the, in the biz. He says... You think about it so much that it exhausts you. Like you think about an idea or a joke or a concept so much that you're totally exhausted by it. And then you leave and go to a baseball game. Mm-hmm. And then you come back and, you, and it, it'll, it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think it's like that where it's like you probably have to do, like if you really want to like, I guess, like think... Because you are thinking freely within, I, I'm assuming within an imp- structure yeah. that it's like you got to get so into it and then maybe one day you're going to be at a baseball game or you're going to be like at a you know supervising a school dance and then you're going to be like whoa yeah you know yeah that like I think it's like I don't I don't know I mean I think that there's something there where it's like you have to eventually just totally focus on one thing and yeah. then it'll that's interesting. I, yeah, you know, I, maybe I think that like my first experience with Rosie was so delightful because like meeting her and talking with her was like a blast of completely fresh air mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, like I, I live in the world of long form improv and, and so most of my mind is just geared towards scenic improv over and over again. I just think about it all the time. And uh, Rosie, someone who there's like no, artificiality there Mm -hmm. she just she says exactly what she means and she writes exactly how she feels Mm -hmm. and and just puts it very directly and it it working with her was one of the most creative 
delightful experiences ever because it was so like, I don't know, it, it, you're just kind of like going off into this like unknown place with her. It was great. It's a different experience. So I guess it is that thing of you concentrate and concentrate and concentrate and then relax with fresh experiences and, and sort of see what it brings out of you. Yeah. Cause I, I think you do like at the end of the day, if you're going to work on anything, like if you are, Okay, so say you're hired to work on a show, like a TV show, and you're hired to work as a writer. And, like, you you have to bring something to that room besides, like, okay, so say you can come up with jokes or mm-hmm. say you can come up with plot ideas. Like, you have to have a skill that you're so good at that you know, by, like, back and forth, you know, that you can bring so that you have a way of generating ideas. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like... It's great to come up with a lot of stuff. It's great to, like, do anything a bunch, like that quantity thing. But, like, basically, you, I think the ultimate goal in mind is, is to be, like, teach yourself how to think. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if your way of thinking is, like, by doing, if like, if you're going to learn stuff by doing it, then that's what you got to do over and over again. Mm-hmm. But if, if your way of thinking is really conducive to long-form improv then you got to do that enough that you can take it out of long form improv and do it mm-hmm. in a script. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just, I feel like it really, regardless of how many projects you're working on or how many different ideas you have or whatever, it's like you just, the ultimate goal for anyone in a creative field is to get good at figuring out how to generate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what's your toolbox for generating? You know, can we talk about your, your way of generating for a sec? Sure. So what would you do with farm? If you were given, if you had a week, Friday you had to put up a show based on farm, what would be your process of figuring out what to do? Petting zoo. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd, I'd put on a petting zoo. <laughs> <laughs> just a real live petting zoo, you would get as many animals as you could? Yeah. That's amazing. But, I mean, that's just... Um, yeah, that's just what comes to mind. Yeah. But I think that with... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with that, I feel like it's like... Um, and then I'd be like, fuck, how do, I, how do I rent all these animals? Like, fuck, I got to get all these permits. Fuck, I ruined... I, I don't have any money left. Fuck, I got to pay rent. And then the whole thing happens where I'm like, well, the petting zoo's... And then I'll, then I'll get the animals in a space where I've rented it out. And then like... It's great for an afternoon. It's like, say it's like for three hours, and I'm like, I can't even watch. I can't even be around there. Like, <laughs> and then I won't even be, I'll be outside, like, smoking a cigarette. And then, and then like, the, it'll be time for the animals to be returned, and I'll pay the enormous bill for a petting zoo rental, and then I'll, I'll go home and go to sleep. That's so interesting. I... I, I, I that's so interesting that you wouldn't even want to like witness it. I, I get it too. I understand completely. Yeah. I, I get it. I did this thing where people, so people were, I had this idea for the pinata thing, like where people could smash things for an hour. Like I'd say maybe 35 objects, giant stuffed animals, giant boxes, giants, pinatas, like all these different things were suspended from the air um, in this big in, at Littlefield, they let me, mm-hmm. for some reason, they let me do this. And then people got foam bats and could just beat the shit out of things for an hour. There's three hours. So it was like, there's all this music, like this, like, and then it was just like, people could get out their aggression. And I saw none of it. <laughs> I couldn't even step in the room. And then I walked, I, at the end of the three, at the end of the exhibit, I walked in and it was like, everything was just beaten to a pulp. Like, and I just saw the pulp remains it was like orange juice. Like it was just like not, there was nothing left. And then you just go in and clean up. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't even. Oh boy. Would it? Is it just like too intense for you to watch it, or is it? Is it? Does it? Is it yeah, too many? I think. Is it's it too many? Too, like why? Am, why am I doing this? No, because like people were like enjoying. Like it seemed. I looked at pictures afterwards. I was like, this seemed fun. Yeah. But like I couldn't even look at it. I don't know why I couldn't look at it. Like these, like little kids came and were beating the shit out of things. So, like, I had my boyfriend at the time. Like, he was he had all these like labels on him and a helmet, and like people could just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Which, is, in retrospect, is probably the best part because we're no longer together. <laughs> he was very upset at the time. 
So going back to, to petting zoo for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you would come up with petting zoo, you would get the permits and, and get the animals mm-hmm. and burn through a shitload of cash mm-hmm. and then put up a petting zoo. Mm-hmm. Would that be the whole idea? Would you have more to it? Or it would just be you would open an exhibit where people could pet animals for a couple hours? That would probably be the whole idea. That's amazing. <laughs> no, like I wish there was more. Like I wish, like I know there's people like, like J.D. Amato, do you know him? No. He's one of these guys that's like, you think of an idea, and then there's an idea later on top of that, and then there's an idea that, like, you don't even know about that's happening while it's happening, and it's like, yeah, that's an amazing thing. Like, um, and uh, I can't really think like that. I just think of, like, one or two ideas where I'm like, this should happen. And yeah. then I later on, I'm like, oh, that, that could have been a little bit better, but yeah. then I just don't. Um, what, what do you think is the, the, the stupidest idea you've ever seen through? Uh, okay, this is a good... Okay, I've had I've had two. Yeah. One of them was stupid, not in theory, but in practice. Okay. And one of them was stupid in theory and in practice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you pick which one? Both. Okay. Both. So I did this one show called Last to Leave, and it was a six-hour comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like... With the like, I told people come up with the worst, most offensive, most boring things you can. Everyone gets ten minutes. You just can't be mean. And I booked like eighty comedians, and then I had this contest where you could come if you came at the beginning of the six hours, and you lasted. You couldn't go to the bathroom. You couldn't leave to go to the bathroom. You couldn't pick up. You couldn't check your phone. And you couldn't leave. And if you lasted through the whole six hours... Oh, you couldn't fall asleep also. Mm-hmm. If you lasted through the whole six hours, you got $100. This is pretty good. It was so bad. <laughs> it was intolerable. And like... Um, anyone last? Did anyone last? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Two people lasted. All right. Okay, so like eventually... So the manager at the theater like hated us. Like they, he was... Fear, he came in and screamed at us like halfway through. He was so mad. He hated it. Everyone was upset. And then it came down to like six people at the end. And like the manager paid someone $40 to get out. Like he just wanted us out. Like someone else left after like an, a comedian offered them $5 and like... Eventually, and like some girl was like, I gotta change my tampon. And was like, she left. And then, <laughs> it was so gross. <laughs> and then it was down to two people. And like, we were like, okay, the show's over. We gotta go. Like, you gotta, you gotta leave. Like, we've been here for six hours. You have to go. And these two people were like, no, we wanna win. And we're like, oh, God. And we kept trying to trick them to get out. And finally, we were like, Neither one of them was going to budge. And so we had, like, maybe 12 comedians left. And we're like, okay, okay, we're going to have... Um, we're having a new contest. Okay, we're going to have an arm wrestling match. Okay? Each of you gets to pick your, your comedian to represent you, and you, they're going to arm wrestle. Whoever wins, wins. So, like, each of them chose, like, a strong-looking dude, and they both, like, took off their shirts and were arm wrestling. And it was this guy... Um, uh, who was it? Matt Denny versus Andrew Tischer. And they were arm wrestling, and Matt Denny won. So the guy that Matt Denny was representing was like, yeah! And he got, like, he was like, everybody was like, yeah, we did it! Like, this was after six hours of being in this disgusting theater. And then, like, everybody picked up this dude and was, like, championing him. And, like, everyone was so excited and, like, picking him up. And then they started to um, head towards the door. And then this guy realized that he wasn't going to be the last to leave. So he started clawing at the walls and, like, screaming and, like, make scratch marks on the walls, like, so upset. And then this other guy realized at the time that he was going to win. Like, he was just by default, he wasn't going to be the last to leave the room. And he was like, yeah. And it was like a slow motion. It was so dumb. But, like, that was, it was so dumb. And then that other guy won. One that didn't win the arm wrestling match. Okay, that's pretty amazing. It was, it was, but it was also so dumb. Yeah. What a waste of time and money. Yeah. What was the other one? Oh, the other one was just so sad. I really thought it was going to be the best show. I really thought it was, this was going to be like the show to win New York. You know, like it was this thing called the Christmas Christmas is spectacular, and I got sixty people to be in it. Sixty people. And I was like, this is going to be huge. Like, 
<laughs> and I like had all these acts prepared, like this animal dance and this like pudding wrestling and like this whole big thing where it's like, is Liza Minnelli gonna come? Isn't she? And I I asked I flew in Eliza Minnelli impersonator from Ohio. I flew him in. And it was like I don't know why. I just thought it was going to be great. I booked two different theaters, two different nights. Like, I thought it was going to be sold out like crazy. And nobody came. Oh, no. Both nights, nobody came. It was so sad. And I got this potato chip company to sponsor it. And they just gave me 13 cases of expired uh, spicy pickle potato (laughs) chips. So, like, the whole place smelled like spicy pickles. It was so bad. Oh, so depressing. I lost, like, all my money. Oh, jeez. I really thought it was going to be a big hit. It really was not. It was not a big hit. What's the coolest thing you've done? Like, what, what, what came out better than your wildest expectations? Oh, um, one time we did this show. Sometimes I do this show called Christmas Songs with Rainbow Dancers. Mm-hmm. And it's where we... That's <laughs> okay. Okay, so I get like a bunch of improvisers to paint their faces different colors of the rainbow, mm-hmm. and they have to improvise completely synchronized dances to whatever like Christmas music. It's very dumb. Yeah, but it's like all the blues do it, and then all the oranges do it, and all the pinks do it, and um, and it's just, it's just like it's, it should be like a dumb show. It shouldn't be a show that people come. It should be like fifteen minutes tops. And we got a slot to do it for an hour. And we were doing it, and then, like, I'd say 45 minutes in, I was like, this is so bad. Like, nobody like nobody wants to watch these people dance. Like, these people can't even dance. And it's like, the audience was just like, like, because it shouldn't last that long. You shouldn't watch synchronized, improvised dances with people who can't dance for that long. And then I was like, okay, I know what we should do. And so I came on stage, and I was like, okay, you think this is easy? You think it's easy to improvise synchronized dances? It's not. We need a volunteer. Someone from the audience has got to come in, and we're going to prove it to you that it's not so easy. And so this guy in the front row raised his hand, and we're like, great. Uh, And then this other guy in the audience also raised his hand. And someone next to that second guy was like, pick James, pick James. And then I picked the guy in the first row. And everybody... There was a miscommunication, but everyone in the audience thought this guy's name was James now. This guy wasn't named James. (laughs) So everyone's like, James, James. And this guy was like, my name isn't James. And I'm like, just go with it. And so he came on stage and... He, I was like, oh, well, how are you doing? I just gave him, like, an interview. I started to interview him, and I was like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm good. And I was like, what did you do before this dumb show? Like, this is a very dumb experience. Like, where were you before this? And he was like, um, well, I was actually at a wake. And everybody was like, oh, my God. And I was like, why did you come to this show? Like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, it's really sad, but I thought this might be, like, a great idea to not think about the wake. And everybody was like, James, James, James. And everyone started chanting James. <laughs> like, everybody was so on this guy's side because, like, he was just trying to have a good time. And I was like, well, okay, hold on. Stop chanting. That's not even his name. And then people, I was like, well, what do you do? Are you, do you work? And he's like, I'm a student. And people started chanting again. People started chanting PhD, PhD. And I don't know why, but they were like, PhD and and then he I was like are you a do- are you getting your doctor he's like no no and then people started chanting Doctor James Doctor James like the audience was just like so into him and then like he were like oh well this is great so so then he like got his face paint and then like he did the dance with everybody and then people were like screaming and they lifted him up. And, like, we're chanting Dr. James over and over again and, like, carried him out of the theater after the dance was done. Wow. And it was like, this was not planned at all. Like, this, none of this was any of my idea. It was not, and nothing I could have controlled at all. But it, that was, like, one of those things where I was like, oh, man, I'm really glad that guy had a really great time. I, I love in, in both your stories that, like, halfway through the show, you, like, remap okay, we could do this now and then take the stage and, and lead it in a different direction. There, there's something 
I, I read an interview one time with Dave Pesquese, and he was talking about like the early days of of long form improv in Chicago and working with Del Close, and and he was saying that like the big thing he got from Del's class was you just don't know where anything is supposed to go. That you kind of you you start with this charge of an idea or this charge of something that you're interested in, and you just go without a guarantee of like where it's going to take you or what it's supposed to be or what the payoff is going to be that it's just that courage of you start at an interesting point and then we see what happens and like a lot of times um that will fall pretty short you know yeah but sometimes when it doesn't fall short it, it, there i forget i heard this phrase somewhere and i don't remember where i heard it the penetration of the weird <laughs> Isn't that a great phrase? Yeah. And it just means like those moments in like your regular life when something totally unexpected happens where you just get like things go really weird for you in a delightful way. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 the rules are suspended for a little bit of time. And that's kind of what I'm taking from talking to you about these shows is, is just like you're setting up the, the conditions for something really magical and weird to occur without knowing what it's going to be or, or how it's going to pay off? Well, to be fair, a lot of them don't have this. Like, a sure. lot of them yeah, sure. are like just kind of like, oh, that was weird and bad. Yeah, but, but if, if, if they all had it, then none of them would have it. That's true. I think that's, that's totally true. But I, I think that that is kind of like, those moments are definitely what keeps me going, where I'm like, okay. If this could happen once, it can probably happen again. Yeah. And it probably, I don't know how to engineer it to happen every time or even most times, but like the times when it does happen, you're like, yes, this is, this is a reason to make more. Can you talk about Plunderdome 3000, which you hosted sure. with your dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been trying to get you the celebrity judge for a while, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's this pun competition where people, like eight, the first 18 individuals or partners um get to sign up as a pun nickname with a pun nickname and then they come they um do puns they get like 90 seconds to come up with puns based on a topic Mm -hmm. and can can you give me an example of like a pun that somebody came up with off topic sure uh so like so the topic was online dating Mm -hmm. and then this one guy who was going by black punther (laughs) (laughs) And yes, he was white. Um, so um, he turned to the side and he goes, "This is my online profile," which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. And like someone else, the topic was Occupy Wall Street, and this guy was like, "Well, down at the aquarium, they're doing Occupy Wall Street or Octopus Octopi Octopi Wall Street." I don't know. So I'm butchering him. That's pretty good. Oh, oh, someone did a really good one. Um, he, he was like, um, uh, I'm, I love soup and I love making soup. Uh, and the topic was family. And he was like, I love soup. I love making soup. I'm a brother and sister. <laughs> That's really good. That was really good. That's Jersey Gwodowski. So you host with your dad. Mm -hmm. I understand that your dad flies out. Yeah, he flies out once a month and he stays at the hotel across from the venue. From, from where does your dad live? St. Louis. That's, oh, have you, do you know, um, city museum? I love city museum. You've been there? Yeah. It's the best place. That's a really inspiring place. It is. Yeah. That I I actually, I found myself thinking about that a bunch of times while you were talking during this interview. It's the best. Yeah. So how, how would you describe city museum to somebody who has never seen it? It's okay. So it's it's like an artistic, like it's like a beautiful, like re, uh, all these materials repurposed for like a, a playground that can be for adults and children. There's like tunnels and giant sea animals, and there's aquariums where you don't expect it, and giant caves. Like they've taken a um, six-story shoe factory and filled it with everything from your imagination, and then let adults play on it as well as kids. And then at nighttime, they turn out the lights and give you flashlights. And you can just go nuts. And, like, there's, like, airplanes hanging off the building that you can climb in. And everything that you don't think should be safe, and you can just do it. It totally, like, back when we were kids, uh, um, like, playgrounds were, like, you'd, like, burn yourself on the slide. And, yes. and the monkey, everybody broke an arm on the monkey bars. <laughs> and they, they, there was just, like, that risk factor involved of, like, have a great time. But this is not, like foam coated for you yes 
City Museum is kind of like that. It has that, like, it's perfectly safe, but there's that thing of, like, oh, you could totally get stuck in, in places. Yes. It, it's not, like, it doesn't have, like, a kind of, like, corporate feel to it of, like, oh, it's all designed for, it, it's, like, you're kind of taking a risk by, by exploring the place. It's so cool. It's so cool. And there's um, this guy, he was... Bob Castle, he's the designer of it all. Yeah. And he makes he made these giant concrete sculptures all throughout the city. And he was building while before he as he, like right before he died, he was building this thing that was just a water park filled with concrete animals. Hmm. Like he was just gonna fill a building with concrete animals and then fill put water in there. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's doable. Yeah. Like, um if you ever want to have the best night in St. Louis, if you ever go back, yeah. Go to City Museum till like 11 then you go get in a car drive 15 minutes you end up at john donut okay it's this place that makes hot fresh donuts from 11 p.m to 11 a.m wow you pick the wettest looking one you get two of them you get a glass of milk you sit there it's the best that's the best night that's the best night you can ever have that sounds perfect I I was like crawling around in City Museum and I went through like a crack in a wall mm-hmm. and found like I ended up in the middle of this like rockabilly restaurant and then there's yeah. like a boxcar train that's yes. all painted yeah. in day glow and I just like was like hanging out in there with a couple with like Rick Andrews and Frank Bonomo. And yeah. Oh Frank yeah, Rick Andrews. Yeah, that's why that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you go for um that improv festival? Yeah, the yes. uh, St. Louis the Compass the uh-huh. Compass bus, Yeah. Yeah, it was so fun. But just like what an incredible place. And and just like this guy just like filling it with stuff that's like interesting to him. Oh, it's amazing. And then people kind of adapt to like use the place and it's just like that perfect marriage of of like well here's something kind of cool and interesting that becomes this like enormous experience for a thousand people having the night of their lives there's this one place in it that's i think might be my favorite is this skateless skateboard park yes oh it's so cool yeah it's so cool you just run around and defy gravity yeah it's the best yeah uh um, how, how do you see, I'm sorry, go, so going back to your dad. So your dad flies out from St. Louis uh-huh. uh, uh, once a month to, to do the show. Yes, we co-host it, yep. Are you guys close? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a wild and crazy thing because 500 people go to this thing and they're very opinionated and they just scream and shout like there's this human clap meter and that's how people go on to the next round. Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh, it shouldn't be as wild and crazy as it is, but it is it is wild. Like, people are just screaming and packed into this bar at Littlefield, and it's just like, it's nuts. I don't know how it got to be so nuts, but it's totally nuts. Um, Littlefield, I, I've only been there once. I did uh, um, Tiny Rhino last year. Oh, yeah, I did Tiny Rhino. Oh, yeah, we were, uh, yes, we, 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 were, we were in the same, same night. Yeah, yeah, we were in the same block. Um, you were great. Thanks. I loved your show, too. You're, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, uh, Littlefield is awesome. Yeah, I was. Um, I couldn't get over how many people were there too. Is that par for the course there? Mm, I think they try to do that. So, like, if you don't have that, they probably they'll uh, they they probably will ask you to do a little more. Yeah. Like, they want like two hundred people. Every okay. Time. Yeah, it, it is huge and very enthusiastic people who are really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a. Have you lived in Brooklyn the whole time that you've been in New York? No, I used to live on uh, my friend's bunk bed in Midtown East. Okay. Actually, right across from where I work now. It's really weird. Uh, uh, funny how that happens. Isn't I know. It? Yeah. Like all the streets in New York. Why would you end up in the same place twice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, how, this is probably like a weird question, but you were talking about like going out to see like installation pieces and, and art and, and kind of like taking a break from the comedy world a little bit, you know. Um, uh, how do you see like... This is probably a really stupid question. Okay. Do you do you think of yourself more as a comedian? Do you think of yourself more as an artist? Do you see your work as kind of like on on a spectrum of of um like artistic pieces or do you like I don't know. I, mm. it, you know weird question. I think probably more of a comedian. I don't think I have the skills or the patience to be I think my yeah, my skills and my patience lead me more in the um comedy field than the artistic field and yeah. I, I'm not very good at any kind of art like I'm I think I'm the m- most skill I have is being in a room and like m- making an experience like a funny experience for people and I think that would probably fall into the category of co- comedian mm-hmm. more often 
Uh, what do you have coming up that you're jazzed about? Mm, I'm going on a tour. I'm awesome. really excited about that. Cool. It's, I'm opening for this rock band, and I know it's going to be really bad. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really heart wrenching, and like people are going to be really mean. Like the audience last time I did it, they were like, "Shut up!" And I was like, "Okay." And, but I think it'll be like really fun to travel, and I think it'll be really fun to um, learn how to be less sensitive. How do you prepare yourself for that? To travel? No, to oh. to n- going in knowing that you're going to be like screamed at, and I, I don't know yet. This is like a. I think it's going to be one of those things where I'm going to get desensitized, like where you get cut, and then someone like keeps hitting you on the cut, where yeah. you're like. I think it's going to be something where I'm better at preparing for it um, after yeah. it's over. Yeah. But I'm excited for it because we get a rider um, like that we got to fill out. Uh-huh. And I'm really excited about those snacks and <laughs> <laughs> seeing different parts of the country. <laughs> That's and I like the rock band a lot. It's such a good band. What's the name of the band? Um, the Will Butler Band. Cool. They're really great. You should check them out. Okay. Yeah. Where, where can people find out if they want to see you guys on tour with the Will Ryder Band? Um, I think it's Will Butler. If you go to Will Butler's website, okay. then you'll find it. Okay, cool. Uh, um, I think we're going to wrap it up over here. Wait, this was so nice. This, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for talking. Joe Firestone, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. This has been the Magma Theater Podcast, which is produced by Evan Ford Barden and engineered by Grant Michael Goldberg with executive producer Ed Herbstman and is recorded at the Magna Training Center in New York City. We can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We sure do appreciate the support. This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye, bye, bye. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. Uh, hello and welcome to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Louis Kornfeld.